as we come now before the Word of God in this final Sunday of Advent, would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel according to Matthew in chapter 1? We'll be here again in Matthew, Matthew 1. But before we read, would you please pray with me? Lord, your word is a treasure trove of truth and grace. We know these things are true and life for us. Would you help us now in this time to tune our ears, to lean in close, to hear the very word of God here given to us? Help us to believe and to rejoice. Oh, come, oh, come to us now. Guide us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Matthew in chapter 1. I want to take up again this morning uh, the last, I guess, third of the chapter. So we'll begin in verse 18 through the end of the chapter. So Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God. Now, last week we looked at this very same text and we unpacked during that time many of the happenings and events uh, concerning Mary and Joseph and those around the birth of Jesus. But we want to look at more than just the events of these Christmas things. We have spent the last several weeks in the days leading up to Christmas looking in Matthew particularly at each of the names and titles that are to be given to this child. So by this point, we've already heard him called the son of Abraham. That is, he's the heir of these ancient promises and the bringer of blessing to all the nations. He's also called the son of David. That is, the builder of the house of the Lord and this everlasting kingdom. He's called the Christ. 
which means the one who is anointed to be the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. We, we heard the child given the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves, that he will save his people from their sins. Now today, we're looking at another, the final name mentioned in the chapter, and it's perhaps the biggest one of them all. It's in verse 23. Let me read it again. Behold, The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that's our focus for this morning, Emmanuel. And even if we only had that single name, Even if Jesus were given no other names and no other titles, just from that one name, we would be able to see that something truly monumental is happening at Christmas. There is something new, something different here, something that centuries later, millions of people all over the entire globe will be singing about, change the decorations in their house over, form our entire lives around. It is not an exaggeration to say that this event in the manger, the descending of God with us, is the single most pivotal event in all all of human history. Matthew, the writer, calls this coming Emmanuel a fulfillment. He says in the the previous verse, verse 22, it's a fulfillment of the words of the prophet Isaiah. And if we were to keep reading, which we might do in future weeks, if we were to keep reading, we would notice that Matthew continues to use this word in relation to Jesus, that that we continue to see these fulfillments. Now, fulfillment does not mean, then, that we don't need the Old Testament anymore. That somehow, now that Jesus is here, we don't need Isaiah, so we can kind of chuck it. We have the good stuff now. We know that Emmanuel was was born to Mary. He was not born to Eve. But that doesn't mean that we don't care anything about Eve anymore. Fulfillment is not a replacement of the Old Testament. Fulfillment means that he fills full the Old Testament. That, uh, that Jesus is the peace that's been missing, the peace that the people longed for, the peace that the people hoped for, that all the threads and stories and roads of the Old Testament are converging to lead to their culmination in Emmanuel, God with us. There is something new here. But Emmanuel is more than just a new chapter or even just a new book in history. One old, old, long-dead preacher, Charles Spurgeon from England, uh, commented, and he turned me on to this, and I've now come to agree with him, that this one name, Emmanuel, seems to contain the whole history of redemption in it. You know, the Bible is 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 a big book. 
If you've ever tried one of those read through the Bible in a year things, you, you feel the bigness of it, you know, from cover to cover. It covers a lot of time, and they're all good things. And I've, I've heard people try to summarize what the Scripture teaches in various ways, trying try to, to shrink it down to maybe a paragraph. You know, what does the Bible say in a sentence? Or even if we're brave, what does the Bible say in just a few words? But I've never heard anyone be so bold as to try to summarize the whole Bible in a single word. It's a big undertaking. But I think this one word is about as close as we can come to the whole of the Bible. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, the word, suggests that there was a time when man is without God. A time when God was not with us. A time under the fall when God withdrew his presence because of the sin of man and because of his own holiness. It also suggests that there's no amount of human effort that can restore God's presence with us. The name is not us to God. It's God with us. It's not we ascend to him. It's that he descends to us. And it's not just a business trip either. The word itself suggests the relationship. God with us. And he's come to us in the most intimate of ways. What could be more personal and intimate than making a bed in the womb of a virgin? to be the firstborn among many who would, through him, know this sort of new birth, that Jesus would be the way that God and man would be able to commune together again. Even the very end of all things, the, the consummation of creation, the new heavens and the new earth are not marked mainly with harps and angels or with gold streets and, and pearly gates. They're not even marked with the establishment of joy and peace and love forever, although we love all of those things. Heaven itself is God with us. The whole arc of Scripture is folded into this single name of a single person, Emmanuel. Now, to look at all of this name's glory would take us a while. It will last beyond eternity to learn what the name Emmanuel fully means. And we don't, we don't have all of eternity now. We have, well, 20 minutes left. And so, uh, so in the time that we've got here, we want to do our best to at least unpack a bit of three aspects of the name Emmanuel. We will look at the measure of the name the mystery of the name, and the message of the name. The measure, the mystery, and the message. Let's look at the first of those. The measure of the name. In Emmanuel is all 
the deity of God. And Emmanuel is all the deity of God. That's the measure. Jesus is not one-third God, as if Father, Son, and Spirit, it's a big job to be God, so they divide it up into threes. He's not one-third God, nor is Jesus some sort of second-generation God, that the Lord's really the God, and Jesus is just a chip off the old block of God the Father. Nor is Jesus some sort of mini-sample-sized human version of God. You know, this isn't like those moments at Sam's Club or the other place, you know, where you get the little tiny sample cup of lasagna and you get a little taste of it to see if you really want to buy the whole pan. That's not what's happening here. Jesus Emmanuel is the fullness of God. So Colossians teaches us that we won't read the sections, but if I can just mention them. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And in him was the the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. That is to say that Emmanuel is in no way limited in his measure of deity. He is fully God with us. We sing about this sort of thing. Even if you don't notice it in the words, I guess maybe that's part of the infectious nature of a song. We sing things that we don't even realize uh, what we're saying. Some, Some Christmas songs, even hymns, even Christmas hymns, are closer in their lyrics to these sorts of things than others. So, so for example, uh, uh, we were singing in our car just the other day, uh, practicing, really, Away in a Manger. Away in a manger, right? We were singing some of these things with our kids, and we got to the, lo- the line that goes like this. I wanted to sing it. I'm not going to sing it. The cattle are lowing. The baby awakes. The little Lord Jesus, no crying he makes. And I heard that line, and I just looked at Laura, and I thought, really? No crying he makes? Like, was the writer of this hymn, you know, did they have kids? (laughs) Uh, Because that's not how it worked when we we had kids. Like, even though he is God with us, nothing in the Bible suggests that Jesus was some sort of dream baby that never cried. You know, you know, Mary and Joseph had those long, sleepless nights just like the rest of us that maybe even that first night when there was noisy animals in the cattle stall that are disrupted by this family who's intruded in an overpacked city in the midnight hour are the cries of this hungry, gassy, restless infant. No crying he makes, maybe. But even though Jesus is the Prince of Peace, Peace and quiet are not the same thing. You know, it's fine then. It's good even. I don't mean to harp on away in a manger. I'm glad for it. We recognize that some of the words are a little over-sentimentalized, but still good for us. But, but, let me mention one other. Hark the herald angels sing. You know this one too. We sing it every once in a while here. We didn't today, but we, we could. Hark the herald angels sings gets at the measure 
of Christ's name here. Hits the nail right on the head with some deep theology about our Lord Emmanuel. The line is this. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. I guess there's more. Pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. But that beginning line, when we see Jesus, it's the Godhead that we see. He is incarnate, that is, he's embodied in flesh and bone. And there's an aspect of his Godhead that's veiled in flesh, says the song, rightly. Veiled in flesh, that is, because of our own limits, not his limits, our limits, we're not able to see all of the godliness of Jesus, but it is still true that all the fullness of incarnate deity is in Christ. Jesus is the full measure of God with us. That's the measure. Let's look now at the mystery of the name. Imagine for a moment those first weeks. If you are a parent, had kids at at any point, he cared for kids, love on our kids. Mary counted the little piggy toes of the Lord of creation. Mary shushed the little toothless mouth of the everlasting word. Mary pressed her lips to the tiny forehead of almighty God. There is something about that that just seems blasphemous. How can that be? And yet it is true. It only gets more baffling the more we delve into the mysteries of God with us. So we know that from the very dawn of time, before time even was, Jesus is the creator of all things. We're told that in him All things hold together, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And so when the fullness of time had come, and it was the moment where Jesus was to be born, to descend to earth, to take on the true form of humanity in the womb of Mary, Jesus didn't look to the Holy Spirit and go, hey, I have a job to do over here. Do you mind upholding the universe for me? while I plug myself into this umbilical cord for some nine months. Actually, can you hold on to it for a little longer? Because I'm going to be busy, you know, learning how to walk and learning to speak and listening to my mom and dad. That's not how it went. Jesus is still omnipresent God even while he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. Jesus is both everywhere and somewhere at the same time. Jesus is both the fullness of God 
and the fullness of man at the same time. God with us is a mystery that bends our brain and defies our logic. How can it be that an ocean would fit in a thimble? And yet it is. I do not have enough, well, anything, to be able to even begin to wrap my mind around this, but who better than C.S. Lewis to try? He taps into this mystery of, of the incarnation in his final book of the Chronicles of Narnia series. So if you're familiar with that, it begins with the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. You know, the very, there's seven books. In the seventh book, we see these children who used to play in the wardrobe. They're now adult royalty in the land of Narnia. And so they're walking along together, just talking in, in the middle of a regular old Sunday afternoon when they come across in a field a door a wooden stable door just by itself no building around it no walls beside it no supports just a freestanding door and so one of them at one point walks up to the door and puts his eye between the slats in the board to look and see and you know what he sees nothing at first. It's dark through there, but his eye then begins to adjust. And while his day is bright and sunny afternoon, he begins to realize he's seeing stars. He's seeing a nighttime sky, and, and here in front of him is this bonfire with several figures, people talking. He begins to hear their voices. There is a whole other world inside of that door. And he says at that point, its inside is bigger than its outside. And then Lucy, the one, the little girl from the beginning who's now an adult says, in our world too, a stable once had something inside it that was bigger than our whole world. That's the mystery of the child, God, with us. That he is the biggest of all and yet so small. Inconceivable and yet conceived. Holds the world's, world's in the palm of his hand and yet could barely wrap his tiny hand around a single pinky. And while we cannot fathom all of these mysteries, we do marvel at them, at the nature of God with us. That brings us to the final of the three, the message of the name. The message of the name. On the face, the meaning of the name Emmanuel seems plain enough. God with us. What more is there to know? And yet it requires a little bit of clarity. God with us does not just refer to God's presence with us. 
does not just refer to his presence with us as if we have some sort of shared company with God or that we're along for the same car ride with God or that he's you know, sitting around the tame, same table with us having a cup of tea. That's not mainly it. The message of the name God with us refers to God's union with us. God's union with us. There's lots of places in the Bible we could look at about this, but uh, John mentions this at the end of, of his first letter in 1 John, uh, chapter 5, one of the very last verses, verse 20. Listen here for what John says about us as believers. He says, We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Did you catch what he says there about our relationship with him? He does not say we are next to him. He does not say we are under him or after him, behind him. He says we are in him. We are united to him, not just in the future, now. That's a glorious thing. God with us in union. This sort of union is a gift that no one, no one but God himself can give. You know, I know for me, I might desire to be with my kids in all the best possible ways, you know? To want to be with them, to, to hold them on my lap, to go down the scary slide that's just a little bit too big. I want to be with them to give them words of encouragement and support and hope and love. I want to be with them to be able to pick them up when they fall and skin their knee. I want to be with them just to hold their hand on walks for fun. I love all of that. But as much as I might try, I cannot be with them in this way cannot be in union with them as God is in union with us. So I pray that they will know Emmanuel, that they would know God with us, that they would be in Jesus and never know a day otherwise. I want that for all of us. We want this. This changes the whole course and pattern of our lives to have God with us. There's one common effect, at least, for all the other effects, one common effect that God with us has upon us. Because when God unites himself to us, he puts away fear, You know, when Moses was called to bring people out of Egypt, God said, don't fear. Why? Because I'm with you. 
when Joshua's going into battle with Jericho, he says, don't fear. Why? Because I'm with you. When Gideon's up against the Mennonites, God says, don't fear. Why? Because I'm with you. David in the Psalms says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. You know that's true for you too, right? If you're a believer in Jesus who knows Emmanuel, this is true of you, that he's united to you in a way that could put away fear. So what is it then that would threaten to sink you in fear? Do you struggle? Emmanuel is your shepherd. Do you suffer? Emmanuel is your physician. Are you at war with Satan? Emmanuel is your warrior. Do you doubt that your faith is enough before God? Emmanuel is the author and perfecter of your faith. Do you sin? Emmanuel is your priest, your sacrifice, your very salvation. You need no one else. There is none greater than God with us. God with us. God with us. What greater gift could there be than Emmanuel? We know then that all things hang upon him. If just this one word, Emmanuel, were removed, the hallways of history would collapse. If just this one word were rejected, we might as well have a millstone hung around our neck to sink us to the depths of the sea. If just this one word were ignored, we would be drained of all our strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. But for all who believe in him, listen, for all who believe in him, do not fear, but rejoice, because this one word remains forever. Jesus, our Lord, is Emmanuel, God with us. Pray with me. Lord, would you press press this truth deeply upon every heart here, that each of us would come to believe these things more deeply. Help us to be amazed and comforted at God with us, that whatever comes this Christmas, we know at least that you are with us still, and that is enough. We give you praise and thanks as we pray in the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, amen.